Welcome to Stock Odds Odds and End Podcast. This is Dave and Rob getting ready for the week ahead. Good evening, Rob. How's everything? Not too bad. Uh, we kind of blew our uh, streak of doing it on Saturdays. Um, yeah. Today's a Sunday. So sorry about that, guys. A little bit late, but uh, we'll get right down to it and uh, get this thing posted as soon as we can here. So, um, yeah. Uh, reviewing Fridays and the week's performance. Um, so on the Friday, we had energy uh, popping up. That could be a little bit of just uh, some geopolitical stuff that's going on. Uh, could be a little bit of concerns for you know what might happen if there was a 9/11 uh, you know terrorist uh, event again or something like that. So I'm not sure why why Friday uh, popped up like that, but um, utilities were uh, in second place. But for the week, energy sure did well at 2.51% up, and utilities was um, second place, but not um, not green for the week. But certainly a, a big change, because uh, so far this year, we haven't seen a whole lot from the utilities, and um, they may uh, be coming into their own here in uh, September and possibly even October. We'll have to take a closer look. But a um, little bit, uh, you know, of defensive came into play uh, more so than what we saw in August. Uh, so let's keep uh, keep going here. Uh, <clears throat> performance for the week. We see. IWM, so small caps having it rough. And again, we're in the worst six months of the year for small caps, which is uh, May through uh, October. And um, uh, Q's uh, doing you know, a little worse than the SPY this week. And uh, you can see energy there uh, really in the green, 3.52%. So that's the sector spider ETF, which did better than the group um, with all the market caps involved, which is what we saw on the previous uh, slide. And that was only up 2.51% for the week. But um, sector spider wise, you know, you got Exxon, Conoco, you know, Chevron, you know, big names in there. Financials held up okay. A little bit probably of benefit there from rising yields again, maybe some you know, posturing that uh, further rate hikes are on the table, even though the market's not been expecting that. Um, we had industrials kind of uh, lagging as well, um, not doing, not having a great week. Uh, consumer staples, you see them held in a little bit, uh, well, a little bit worse than the discretionary. Discretionary, of course, has Tesla in there and some other names that uh, kept it propped up. And here's your utilities here. So that's what we see for this week. Um, oh, I wanted to point out too, the uh, volatilities here. So um, just, you know, keep in mind, this is the weekly volatility and this is the monthly volatility. Uh, so, you know, XLY is one of the ones that gives you, you know, the best back and forth action, kind of like a loaded uh, spring, really. And um, and that's on the weekly and monthly, which are quite similar. You have uh, 
volatility picked up a bit on the utilities, but on the monthly, it's a bit quieter. And what else we got here? So SPY, you can see the comparison here. So the XLY is double the volatility on the weekly of the SPY. So keep that in mind when you're trading these things. And diamonds, of course, it's a price weighted index. So um, and it's got all the blue chips in there. So it's uh, it's a lot quieter than the, the rest of these things. So. OK, um, this is what happened last week on the SPY. So we Friday was the first first trading day and also the first Friday. And then we roll into Tuesday because it was a shortened week. Uh, Tuesday we opened here and we traded a bit sideways kind of as a follow through from what had happened the previous week but then um, on Wednesday we we gapped down and we dropped significantly had a pretty nice reversal intraday to finish you know a little bit better than of course the low of the day next day dropped down again but that was able to claw its way back we weren't making any more new lows and we finished much better and then um, the next day here we ended up filling the gap and uh, proceeded to move higher and pull back a little bit uh, by the close we had a really strange last 15 minutes of the day there bouncing around quite a bit this is the map of the market for the week. You can see the shine or the gl the glitter came off the Nvidia this week, minus 7.67% down. Also, Avco having a bad week at minus 7%. Qualcomm minus 7.33. Intel moving completely the other way, up 8.17%. So haves and have-nots here on in the semiconductors, and um, Oil patch, of course, uh, th them doing really well. Some healthcare, Lilly, uh, again, behaving quite differently than Pfizer and even Merck, um, having another good week. Um, it's been this has been pretty having a pretty good summer, and and uh, that party continues. Healthcare overall, doing well. Um, see a difference in Netflix versus Disney here, and then of course you had the Apple incidents <laughs> this week down 5.16 percent with uh, uh china kind of playing the tech wars here um saying that uh apple phones are not uh eligible for their leadership and officials to use so uh, kind of a damper on apple and that and that probably pulled the market down a little bit with it as well but uh, microsoft held up okay oracle fortnite so there you have it okay mid-month seasonality for etfs dave what do you see on um anything pop out at you um notice pretty much, the, pretty much notice, everything's you, down <laughs> yeah notice notice this and this should say mid mid-month seasonality right up here Mid-month seasonality, uh, uh, in this universe, 81% of the values are down. So uh, that means that the September, uh, you know, down month continues into mid-month seasonality when you can often, in many of the months, get a nice bounce. 
because of payroll deposits and 401k money going in mid-month as well as the end of the month. Um, but this um, this particular mid-month seasonality is uh, not the best historically. Um, anything that uh, you like on here? Um, well, show strength in gold. You see GDX and GDXJ. That's something okay. you can play. But pretty much every other sector, it's negative with like communications, basic materials, and discretionary down greater than some of the other ones. Financials too, but um, a lot of weakness in basic materials and discretionary. Well, and not not only that. I mean, we point out here. You know, when you when you combine not just the performance, but also look at the odds. This is odds of going down, and so a lot more robust. So the probability basis, along with the outcome, the performance, um, you know, definitely leaning to the short side. Whereas here, you've got a lot of 50% sort of like on the fence as far as going up. And even when they go up, the performances are quite a bit less. Yeah. So definitely skewed to the short side. Now, that that may be interfered with with something else, but as things are looking, if the seasonality also lines up with a good macro backdrop for the downside, then then be, be informed and don't fight it and, and play along with the probabilities, okay? So that's the ETFs. So then what we do is we go to the stocks and we say, okay, uh, in those groups that we just looked at, you know, is there anything interesting? So, for example, I wouldn't, if, um, you know, X, XLE, well, it doesn't have a great probability of being down. It's only down 1% too. So um, let's look for something here in the basic materials. So XLB, let's go back to our thing. So um, AA is in XLB, or at least related, it's associated uh, with basic materials because it's aluminum. X and, yeah. What is it you say? X? Yeah, X, steel as well. Yeah. yeah. So that would be good because the ETF is already suggesting it to have underperformance, and then you want to find some of the uh, stocks within the group that uh, will give you your best bang for your buck, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what that's what you will look th- you look through here to to find. Also on the stock side, we have more symbols represented, but still seventy percent are negative values by percent change. Um, so again, look for things that are over fifty percent odds of going up, or over fifty percent odds of coming down. Now, we have expiration. So that mid-month starts on Thursday. And then, of course, we roll into Friday's expiration, which is a quarterly event. So this is probably more powerful than just any monthly expiration. What uh, leaps out at you there, Dave? Well, again, some of the same uh, industries like XLB expected to be weak. So you get kind of two bits of seasonality. On that one, same with industrials and technology. So that- yeah, I would I would tend to I would tend to lean on it then a little bit more unless there there comes along a macro that interferes. But again, some of the edges that we need to consider are where are 
these groups and stocks as we come into that seasonality window. So the window starts on Thursday for mid-month, which is the 9th through 14th business days of the month. And then we roll into the third Friday, which hits pretty early this, this time around because September 1st was a Friday. So it's all of a sudden upon us. And um, so like Dave said, you get that, you know, double sort of probability skew uh, between mid-month and the Friday expiration. Um, and that would be nice if that continuation happened in, like, say, the XLB. And mm-hmm. now we see we see XLE coming into play. It was kind of like, mm, kind of not as fantastic for mid-month, but all of a sudden on Friday it's show, showing better. So I'll let you guys look through that. But it's the same theme. We roll into the stocks now, and we're looking. Here's U.S. Steel, Dave, showing up again. Yeah. So, I'll give you some, and here's uh, Freeport, but it's uh, it's only 50% chance of going down. So, it's on the list, but it's not as strong as our argument for U.S. Steel. Okay. Now, value versus growth. We looked at it last week as well. But this is a weekly chart now. So I just want to show you that we had had value dropping in relationship to growth for the three weeks previous. And then last week, we popped up a little bit. Probably again because of the down week, a little bit more defensive posturing. You know, obviously, Apple and some other things were playing into that. So um, because it's pulled back, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, we did, were able to pop up a little bit and value um, still beat out growth next week. But it also could, you know, resume its decline down. There's plenty, plenty of air pocket here, so. Keep that in mind. It's unknown where we go from here, but just pointing out the contrast between last week, which was a shortened week, and the three weeks before that. When we look at diamonds versus IWM, and again, this is a ratio chart. It's one week. You can see the outperformance of the Dow 30 compared to the Russell 2000. Um, Nice, strong week for that. Obviously, IWM had a pretty bad week, and um, Dow held up because of more of the defensive blue chip, the nature of it, even though Apple's in the Dow. Then we have Microsoft versus Apple, just seeing what's going on there. And again, this is a weekly ratio chart, and you can see the, the strong performance here. And just as a reminder, when you get when you get a news event that comes out, and even even if the stock has already started to move or or even gap down, you know you you might see opportunity in it, but it's it's really good to go and grab another relationship that can keep you in trades for much longer. You know, not getting shaken out, um, and also kind of protect you from in case you're wrong. And let's say you shorted Apple and it started to turn and go up. 
you know, uh, if Microsoft was already a better argument. And so look where you're coming from. When the news hit last at the beginning of last week, the news hit on Apple, um, you know, Microsoft was already discounted relative to Apple and Microsoft outperformed Apple handsomely for the week. That these are where edges come from is when you get some reason to be in a relationship, but your starting point is fabulous. Now, economic calendar, uh, things to, Dave's going to talk about that in a minute, but things to watch um, in America's with uh, US CPI, PPI, retail sales, and so on, industrial production. Um, we have, um, in, in, we've got some ECB meeting as well, things like that. So just uh, could take a snapshot of that or, or stop the video and just take a closer look at that. We'll go into the next one here. Dave, what do we got? Yeah, Monday and Tuesday, not much going on, but the theme of the week is inflation data. So Wednesday, there's that core CPI number, and then Thursday, the core PPI number. So consumer prices and the wholesale prices, right? So that's going to give us an indication as to if inflation is really decelerating, and then that that indicates what the Fed might do at the next meeting. And then Friday, there's a bit uh, industrial kind of data, U.S. import prices, industrial production, manufacturing data, and consumer sentiment. So it's really, it's a week of in inflation data. And um, mm -hmm. and earnings, there's not many, many earnings this week. So there's just Oracle on Monday and Adobe on Thursday. So most of our earnings season has passed now, but those two are heavily traded. So Oracle and Adobe. Yeah, and, and, a, and a reminder that, um, you know, warning season will start to happen towards the end of September and we go into earnings season again in October. Here it is again. So July, you know, it started the heavier in the first two weeks of July, you get the heavier earnings and then, of course, continues all through August. And the same thing applies to October. Earlier in October, you get some of the bigger companies um you know banks and brokers and stuff like that and then uh, it continues in through uh, november now remember that in the off months when it's not earnings or there's very few earnings you have more dividends um, so you still have to make a note of stocks that are having dividends so if you're short them you end up paying them if you're long you could collect them but you still have to be aware of you know dividends which some people overlook okay a um, couple notes here anniversary of 9-11 so that's tomorrow um, so if nothing bad occurs markets can bounce just because they kind of like are a little bit leery even though it's been 22 years since the event um, it's you know still fresh in some minds and also always a concern that some adversary tries something. Uh, so if, if it goes okay uh, tomorrow, um, then um, markets could bounce. Just keep that in mind. Uh, probability is still weaker for the month of September. And certainly we looked at mid-month seasonality starting on Thursday and, and even the expiration Friday is weaker. But, um, uh, you know, it could be a bounce on Tuesday after, after tomorrow's non-event, let's say. Um, 
so this week is historically weak and weak week <laughs> and then uh, I'll re- I want to review the US dollar upcoming resistance level and and review the WTI uh, resistance level so let's just look at that here for a sec and then uh, yeah here we go okay so uh, US dollar first so when we bring the different currencies up here you can see that since the mid-July, we've had this steady rise in the U.S. dollar. And at the same time, of course, you've had a decline in the euro. So why is that? Well, the U.S. economy has been doing really well. Now, I'm, I recognize that there's been some economic reports that have, that have been revised and come out. But as those, as those reports initially came out, you know, they it's like the economy's firing on all cylinders. So um, Europe's been kind of the opposite. They've been having uh, more economic struggles, right? But um, we do have an ECB um, in interest rate decision, I think, this week or discussion on monetary policy. So it may, may change. They may be raising rates. Um, but so far, that's, that's what's been happening. Japanese yen, you borrow the yen, you buy the U.S. dollar, you got the carry trade, or you buy U.S. assets. Um, so the carry trade, you can see the yen under pressure. Um, British pound, uh, British economy not doing as well as the U.S. economy is again. Um, Canadian dollar uh, down, even though it's commodity-rich country, same as Australia and New Zealand. And um, normally, if commodities are in bigger demand, uh, the currencies uh, can pop up. Now, with energy still rising, that may impact the Canadian dollar, may, may help boost it a little bit. Okay, so let's drill into this U.S. dollar for a minute here. And you can see that we have a significant resistance area at around 105.50, 105.65, uh, so 105.50 to 105.64, there's resistance right in there, and um, and that would be a, a target that we could get to, and we'll have to see what happens if we uh, pop through that. Um, we are above the 200 AMA, so we had a nice bounce off that. So um, it's, you know, could continue. <clears throat> um, now let's look at uh, energy. We see. Um, crude, you know, making some solid gains. Now we've kind of got a bit of a shelf developing here. We still have some upside potential into the 93 to 94 area. This is 93.74 and this is 93.64. So we've got uh, almost matching highs, pretty close up in the 94 area. So uh, keep that in mind as we approach $94. There uh, should be some resistance uh, that will give us a clue if it wants to go higher or not. All right. Um, anything else, Dave? No, that's it. Well, let's wait a minute. Let's just take a look at uh, any of the markets here. What is, what's going on with these things? Um, so actually, pr- ahead of uh, tomorrow here, we're pretty... Uh, Pretty flat across the board, nothing going on. 
Mm-hmm. So I guess I uh, have to check in the morning. The VIX is uh, pulled back a lot in August since the peak. And um, even with the bad week last week, we didn't move much up in the VIX. So uh, volatility uh, is lower than it has been for the last year on average. Keep that in mind. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. Good luck.